Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolute remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. For thou that takest away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sitteth at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou only art holy, thou only art the Lord, thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen.
So 
Let us pray together our Colette. Almighty God, you've given your only Son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace to receive thankfully the fruits of this redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah 56, chapter, beginning in verse 1. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people, nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, 
Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the psalm. This morning's psalm is Psalm 67. You can find Psalm 67 in your handout. We'll read it responsively by the asterisk. Psalm 67. God, be merciful to us and bless us. That your way may be known on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God, that the earth may shall yield her increase. God shall bless us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Our New Testament lesson this morning is taken from Romans chapter 11, verse 25, commencing. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my command. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. John, chapter 6, beginning at verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, 
So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. The gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. Well, we have a real uh, treat today because uh, Deacon LeClaire is going to bring the word. Uh, we don't see much of him because uh, he's been doing his own service for several years uh, at a uh, ages uh, uh, retirement home. But uh, I guarantee you, you're going to love his word. He's a great, great scholar of the word. And uh, let's best bless him appropriately. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This morning we're going to talk about the teaching from St. John in his gospel. And uh, I would say most of all of chapter 6 of John's gospel is about bread. And John weaves together the feeding of the 5,000, the Passover, the manna that came down from heaven, and the Last Supper, the institution of the covenant in his body and blood, all into one theme. Probably one of the more important themes in his gospel, and uh, he goes to great length to teach us why the church calls communion a sacrament. The background of what we read this morning is when Jesus received some terrible news that his cousin, John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. Uh, Jesus and John grew up together. John introduced Jesus' ministry. And when Jesus found this out, it was uh, painful for him. And immediately he sought to go into a solitary place to pray. The problem was is that when he went to pray, he was followed by over 5,000 people. So he got there and he looked at this mass of thousands and he had compassion on them and he began to teach them. He taught them all day long. And when evening had come, he thought he would test Philip. You know, this was their... John adds a very important and interesting detail in this narrative. John said... The time of the Passover is near. So this was Jesus' first Passover with his 12 apostles. And if you don't think Jesus had a sense of humor, he took Philip aside and said, Philip, I want to feed all these people. What are we going to do? And Philip, you know, he, I think he had like 100 bucks in his pocket. And he's thinking, like, I would think, how much is this going to cost? How much would it cost to feed 5,000 men, women, and children? He said, Lord, we can't afford it. Even if we had so much money, it wouldn't make it. And Andrew, Peter's brother, said, Lord, there's a little boy here that has five loaves and two fish, but that's not going to do it either. 
Jesus was testing Philip for he knew what he was going to do. He said, have everyone sit down. And they sat down in companies. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. He gave the bread and the fish to his 12 apostles, and they fed over 5,000 people that day. And when everyone was filled or glutted, they were stuffed. They ate so much. Jesus said, all right, I want you to pick up the fragments. And they picked up 12 baskets of leftover fragments. So each apostle had a little gift basket to go as a memory. But Jesus was training them, that they, teaching them that they did not need money to break bread and feed. Two years from this date, he would institute the sacrament and the apostles would be breaking bread to feed the world. So this is the backdrop of this story. And John interjects that this was the time of the Passover. Now, the Passover in the Bible is a a type and an allegory of the Passover to come. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Let us keep the Passover feast. And so we have been taught about Passover since we were little ones. And it's a nice story, isn't it? But if you were a Jew, it would have more significance. Think about this. The Jews were in slavery for around 400 years. Your grandfather was a slave. Your dad was a slave. You're a slave. And now you have little kids coming up and they're going to be slaves. You have no property. You have no possessions. In fact, you are the possessions of your overlords. And they're ruling over you. You have nothing. You have no future. You have no land. And it becomes desperate after a while. You give up hope. All the labor you do during the day goes to the Egyptians. And you end up with nothing. And so the cry of the people went up before God. And God attracted Moses through a burning bush. And he said, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I'm going to deliver them. And you're the man to do it. And Moses said, no, I'm not really the man to do it. I can't even talk. I think Moses had a little stutter problem. He was a genius. And, you know, God was not going to take no for an answer. So Moses was not going to get out of this one. He goes, all right, your brother can talk for you, but you're going to go. Okay. God chose one man to go against the most powerful empire on the face of the earth, the Egyptian empire, with the most powerful military. The Egyptians had many thousands of swords and warriors. And Moses was going to go up against this with the great power of Pharaoh. But that day, God gave Moses his own sword. Moses had a sword. God gave Moses his word. 
And God said, Moses, you go to Pharaoh and you tell him this. Let my people go. And Moses wielded that sword. He made an appointment with Pharaoh and he gave Pharaoh a a command from God. Let my people go. Now, Pharaoh didn't realize it, but that sword cut him. It pierced him that day. And he had a chance to repent or harden his heart. What happened? Pharaoh was cut and he hardened his heart. He defied the sword of God. Now, that was a foolish idea, don't you think? He thought he had all the power in the world. And he was going to war against God. After nine plagues, Pharaoh hardened his heart each time. Now God is going to conclude his work. How is God going to deliver his people with a mighty army? No. God's going to defeat the Egyptians with a meal. He commanded Moses to observe the first Passover. They slew a lamb. They covered their house with the blood of the lamb. And then they ate the flesh of the lamb. And in this meal, the judgment of God came upon the land of Egypt. And Israel was covered by the blood. God, the angel of the Lord, went through and slew all the firstborn cattle and of all the Egyptians. And the cries came out. God told Moses, you will never see the Egyptians again. The Passover meal was a meal of judgment. And it separated the Jews from the Egyptians forever. After this meal, it was the next day. And Pharaoh said, get out of here. Leave. I've had enough of you. That day was the first day of their freedom. And it only took a Passover meal to accomplish it. But that day was different. That day after the meal, they were no longer slaves. They were headed out to possess the land and the inheritance that God promised them. They were landowners. Now, it did take them a little while to get to their house, about 40 years. They had a few problems, and uh, they had a few issues with Moses. And Moses had a few issues, too, I might say. So it's going to be a problem down there. So it did take them a little longer than what God wanted. But they were on their way to possess but God, God is a promise keeper, right? He's a promise keeper. They were given a new priesthood, a way for God to forgive their sins through atonement. They were no longer under Egyptian law. They had the law of God. They were no, no longer under the Egyptian calendar. God gave them their own calendar a liturgical calendar their calendar was in the sky the sun gave them their days and their hours 
and the moon and the constellations gave them their months. From that day on, the heavens for them declared the glory of God. Before them, they were under bondage. Now, the heavens itself were declaring their calendar. And it's quite an accurate calendar from year to year, the heavenly bodies rotating. I remember many years ago, I scrounged up enough money to buy my first Rolex. And uh, it was a nice one, too. Back then, they were cheap. They're like 10 times the price now. And I, got, I had my first Rolex. I ended up giving it away. But while I had it, I really enjoyed it. But I had it for two days. And I noticed that in 24 hours, my Rolex was off by over a minute. And I, you won't believe what I did. I went back to where I bought it. I go, this watch is off over a minute in a 24-hour period. And they just laughed at me. I go, you said this is a superlative chronometer. This is off. They go, this is a mechanical device. We can't adjust this. They said, you bought a Rolex to tell time? I go, well, I guess not. And uh, you know what Bishop Adler told me? He said, Mike, the only reason why you wear a Rolex is because you can't drive your Mercedes in the mall. I go, all right, I got it. So God gave the Jews this most spectacular calendar, the heavens itself. He gave them a judicial system, an appellate system. He gave them dietary laws. He gave them the proper laws on immigration. He gave them laws if there were an outbreak of disease, quarantine laws that we're not observing. See, Moses wanted to quarantine the sick people. And we're quarantining. See, I, I didn't want to bring politics into this. I want to talk about something else. I'm getting sidetracked. How much of a difference did this meal make to the Jew? And this is only a picture and an allegory of what happens when we take communion under the true Passover from the true Lamb of God. The second picture that St. John gives us is the teaching of Jesus. The next day after he fed the 5,000, they came up to him and they were expecting another free meal. And Jesus said, don't labor for the bread that perishes. Labor for the bread that leads to eternal life. And the Son of Man will give you this bread. And they said, Lord, give us this bread of eternal life. And they said, well, the bread I'm going to give you is my flesh. And the drink I'm going to give you is my blood. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And this was a hard saying for the Jews. In fact, it was so shocking. They said, and John records, they said to themselves, who can understand this? This is a hard saying. John records a very sad event in the ministry of Jesus. The 5,000 people, men plus women and children that he fed, that day after this teaching left him and followed him no more. He lost his entire church, his entire movement, 
through one sermon. And so here are these 12 apostles standing there, and he turns around and looks at them, and he says, are, are you also going to go? And, of course, Peter said, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Now, I guarantee you that Peter and the other apostles did not understand this hard saying. But Peter believed and trusted in God. Jesus was going to further explain this two years from now when he institutes the sacrament in his body and blood. Jesus said, I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they're all dead. But if you eat of this bread, you will live forever. Now, the manna, the resting place of the manna was in the Ark of the Covenant. And within the Ark of the Covenant was the manna, the law of God written in stone, the stone tablets, and the rod of Aaron. It could not be opened up. Now, did you see Raiders of the Lost Ark when the Germans opened up the Ark of the Covenant? What happened to them? That was a bad idea. But I don't think that part's in the Bible. I haven't found it. But Spielberg is Jewish, so he has a thing against Germans. And he got them back and that, at that movie. Only the high priest could go in once a year. But what was above the manna? The mercy seat. These two archangels with their wings touching. This is where the presence of God abode. This also, like the Passover, was a place of judgment. Forbidden for anyone to come in. Except the high priest and he had to bathe about three or four times before going in, offer sacrifice for himself. He came in, but not without blood. He sprinkled the blood seven times right over the mercy seat, and the sins of Israel were forgiven. This is a second type that John gives us concerning our understanding of communion. Now, at the Last Supper, the time had come for them to institute or to observe the Passover meal. And Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he he recited the words of institution. This is my body broken for you. And he took the cup. He goes, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Drink this. The bread was broken, the wine was in the cup, but when Jesus drank from that cup, he was the first one to enter into the covenant. Then he gave to the twelve, they ate and drank from the cup. There are two basic themes of a cup throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. One is the cup of salvation. And the other is the cup of wrath, the cup of judgment. And you see the cup of judgment from Old Testament all the way through the book of Revelation. But who knew that the cup of wrath and the cup of salvation 
were one in the same cup. In order for God to unite with us and become one and enter into a covenant with us, we had to drink from the same cup. But to become one, our sins had to be forgiven. The minute Jesus drank from the cup, it became a cup of judgment for him. At that moment, he himself became the victim or the lamb for Passover. He was the true Passover lamb, and he took on, at that point, the sins of the world. Now, there were only 11 apostles left. One of them had left to betray him. So the other 11 took from the cup, and for them, it was a cup of salvation, but it was the self-same cup. And from that moment on, they sang a hymn, and Jesus went out to the garden to pray. And he said, my soul is so sorrowful, even unto death. And he tried to get his apostles to pray with him, three of his favorite apostles. They couldn't, out of sorrow, they couldn't stay up. And Jesus said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. He drank from the cup. And that was the price of communion. Now, the cup is also a place of judgment. Communion, like Passover and the Ark of the Covenant, separates the world. It's, an, it's, it's not for everybody. It's exclusive to the body of Christ. And the 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 cup of the Lord is under the governance of the apostolic ministry. It always has been. It's under a government. I'm going to tell a story, and I, I have to say one little thing about Father Joseph that I'm going to regret, but I'm going to tell it anyways. I know Bishop told me not to say anything bad about him, but I'm going to do one little story, and it's pretty light. But as was my custom... I would visit Father Joseph usually on a Friday and give him communion. But first I'd have to go to Firehouse Subs and we'd split a sub sandwich with extra pickles. Because if I didn't come with food, it ruined the whole day. But we, it was a tradition we had. Uh, sometimes hot dogs, sometimes subs. But I gave him communion. But that day there were two visitors to see him. And Father Joseph wanted me to give communion to the two visitors. Now, I knew the two visitors, and uh, the man was a used to be a rector of a church. And he left his church, and then he left his holy orders, and then he left his wife and his kids. And he was there visiting Father Joseph with his girlfriend. And Father Joseph said, Mike, I want you to give them communion. I go, you know, I can't do that. He goes, well, give it to me. I'll give it to them. I go, and you know how I got out of it, Bishop? I go, you know what? I don't have any authority to give out communion like this. I, my bishop just tells me who to give it to. I'm not his pastor, so that's how I got out of it. 
I could not give someone like that, because I'm not their pastor, communion. There was an incident recorded for us in the Corinthian church. Now, if you wanted to go to a charismatic church, this is the church for you. The Corinthian church. They were the world-famous charismatic Corinthian church. These are where the gifts of the Spirit were flowing. It was a Catholic church founded by one of the founding apostles, one of the greatest theologians, St. Paul. He founded the church. He ordained those in charge. But while he was off in the field of ministry, the church began to fall apart. There was a three-way split between the eldership and the and it split the congregation. People were coming to church intoxicated. And there was notorious sexual sin of the type which I, I couldn't even mention. All this was happening while they were coming up to take communion. And so with tears, he corrected the situation in a letter. But he said, don't you know that when you're taking communion in an unworthy manner, you're drinking judgment on yourself? And for this cause, many of you are sick and some of you have died because you partook of the cup in an unworthy manner. And the elders and the leadership was allowing this to take place. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, he said. And they, uh, they corrected the problem. Now, I, I only bring this. And, you know, we think that the early church was so pure and so good. Have you ever read Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3? You think you have problems in your lo- local church? You don't know what problems are until you read the Bible. I don't want to end on that note, but my point is this, is that when we take communion, it is a place of judgment, and we need to do it with great reverence. But I want to end with this. When we drink the cup today, I want you to remember that you're drinking the blood of Christ. And when you drink that cup, you belong to God. God purchased you. He bought you with his blood. And now you belong to him. You were redeemed with his blood. And when you're redeemed in his blood, he is going to restore everything that was lost in the fall. Like the Jews, he's going to restore your inheritance and your land and your possessions. He's going to restore your dignity. You are going to become a kingdom of priests and and kings. You're going to the rightful position and you're coming into your inheritance. And therefore, I want to end with this, a quote from St. Francis, probably one of our favorite saints. Uh, I don't take it as a quote. I take it as an order. But he said, when we partake of communion, we must do it with profound reverence. And St. John, half of St. John's gospel is to explain to us why we view communion as a sacrament. Amen. All right.
Eucharist. And uh, these are all recorded, so if you uh, didn't get every nuance, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that a couple times, and you will really uh, take upon yourself a, a, a reverent understanding of, uh, of the Eucharist. We'll continue with the prayers of the people. Please stand. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic church. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. This we ask in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Well, turn and greet your neighbor with the peace. Peace. Okay, let's get it going and do the math. I guess we have a conflict now between the government and the courts. Imagine that in this day and age, conflict. But uh, so we'll uh, we'll be meeting uh, this week as a uh, Rex Council to hear the mind of the Lord on whether we can move back into the building or we're to stay out here. I, I personally kind of like it out here because it's a real tool of evangelism. So many people coming and going by and... Uh, Certainly doesn't hurt, does it? As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Thank you. 
want to hold this Eucharist up this morning to Michael's ministry. You know, he goes to uh, handle a lot of the jobs that others find uncomfortable, but he's familiar and uh, he's pleased to do it. And I'll tell you, Michael, it's powerful and God is shining upon you. You know, one of the nuances about the uh, the Eucharist and what a beautiful teaching he has on the contrast of the mercy that and grace that comes through the cup and also the judgment that can come upon one. One of the courses you study in uh, seminary are liturgies, and that is a terrible, terrible dry course. 
imagine a whole semester studying the movements of liturgy. But one of the things that they emphasize is in every liturgy from the first, there's something that always goes before the Eucharist. And that's the confession of sin. (laughs) We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who've been here often and you who've not been here long, you who've tried to follow and you who failed, come because it's the Lord who invites you. It's his will that those who want to meet him should meet him right here. So come to the table. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we will proclaim your mighty works, for you called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you're holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later when supper was ended, he took the cup again. He gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them and he said, Drink this all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Right here, right now. In memory of his death and resurrection, we we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love. Together with our patriarch, Craig, and all the clergy. Lord, remember all those who are sick today in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up Olivia and Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena, Naomi, Rachel, Nadia, Kyle, Sonia, Sandra, and Maria. Karen, David and Darcy, Tammy, Thomas, Cade, the Covino family, 
Wayne and Spence and Michael and Sherry, the Marines and the sailors at Camp Pendleton. You may have names of those that you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all of the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ our Passover sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
Now, for some of you, I hope that uh, Mike's uh, little message will bring uh, more clarity of why we pray what we pray right now. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all his demons and legions. <laughs> I should have stayed with the script. <laughs> Who roam throughout the world seeking to ruin our souls. <laughs> and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks to God. God. Good job. Even when I don't feel it, you are.